Welcome to the Law Firm Growth Podcast, where we share the latest tips, tactics, and strategies for scaling your practice from the top experts in the world of growing law firms. Are you ready to take your practice to the next level? Let's get started. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Jan Roos, and I am here with a quick tip. And this has been responsible for more turnarounds within people that we've worked with and coached privately for our estate planning program than probably anything else. And is also one of the fastest things that you can do. But unfortunately, it is one of the scariest, which is why more people don't do it. And that is asking for the money. So to kind of go into this, a lot of people fashion themselves to be strong closers. Again, I've gone over this many, many times on the podcast before, but the expectations on how offensive you have to play in a consultation within a referral relationship is completely different than when you go outside of the referral relationship. And where this usually tends to show up with people that are moving into marketing for the first time is the amount of people that are not following up with a no-show. So classic heartbreak situation we see all the time is somebody comes in for a consultation, they're used to playing it like they play a referral. And what ends up happening is it's really good. They have great rapport. They talk to the client, the client's engaged. They say, all right, cool. Well, here's the deal. We'll get started, book the next follow-up, send the contract, et cetera, get all that taken care of. And we'll, we'll have payment on the way when, when you get back. Now this works for referrals all the time because there's a you know third party that is going to likely be following up on this. There might be some mutual friends involved. It could be your you know friend or cousin or mother, or whoever that referred this person to you. And you know you can kind of play fast and loose with that kind of thing. But when you have the situation when you have no connection there, you really have to be binding people to what they're going to be doing outside of the consultation, and you have to play to their psychology a bit more. And I want you guys to think about a situation recently where there's something where you had something similar. I'm not saying that anyone who does this is a bad person, but it happens all the time. So there's this sort of, you know, crossing the Rubicon moment that happens when you agree to put your first dollar towards something that completely changes what happens. So I'll go over both examples of what that looks like. So we take that person who agreed to start with the plan. Maybe you signed up to do uh, some sort of a trust-based estate plan for hopefully $4,000, right? So that person walks out and then all of a sudden, a bunch of little voices start creeping up in their head. Do I really need to spend $4,000? I know I was feeling so confident in that situation, but do I really need this? Maybe it's a couple. Maybe the husband and the wife are doing it. Maybe one of them is more frugal than the other. Maybe they're having this conversation at the dinner table. And even if you book that follow-up session the day after, the amount of doubt that can creep in in between the moment where you've gotten somebody emotionally invested in moving forward with you and that actual moment is huge. And, and it's a crying shame when we have people that have gone through the effort of closing their first deal, air quotes, closing their first deal, and they get to the point where that deal that they had counted on and it was such supposed to be their the first win in their marketing campaign ends up going to pot because they didn't ask for the actual money. And then those people end up no-showing. I'm not saying it happens every time, but it happens statistically more times than, you know, 0%, which is basically what happens if but you will get the close less than 100% of the time, which is the amount of time that will happen when you actually close them on the call, right? So, what we have and this is a you know huge tenet of anyone that's going through one of our programs is a close does not count until you've collected cash. Now, it doesn't necessarily have to be paid in full, although that's what we prefer. But if you have to get some money down, it completely changes the calculus of what things happen. Because once you have money down, your brain starts going into sunk cost mode. And sunk cost mode is much better for you as a person who's selling a service because the voices start justifying why they spent that money. 
there's a huge thing. And if you guys are familiar, you know, I get into the pop psychology stuff all the time too, but this is, you know, really, really social psychology 101 type thing. Cognitive dissonance. When people start making, when people put money towards it, they're going to start looking for reasons why they made a good decision. Because the opposite would be that they just got taken ride. The alternative would be that they just got taken for a ride by some attorney and no one wants to feel that. So your brain is going to start looking for favorable things to make you be able to feel good about the decision that you just made. Even it's, and I'm not going to say even if it's a dollar, but you know, even get, I take a dollar for zero dollars, but like, you know, if it's a substantial amount, we usually recommend a minimum of something that would feel, you know, real. Say if you, you're not going to get a first installment on a plan or, or some sort of a retainer that you're charging, if it's not estate planning, getting an amount that's substantial, like say $500 is a good minimum. Once they put that money down. Logistically, it's something that's going to be more difficult to walk away from, but also psychologically, and that's the most important thing is that they're going to be committed to taking next actions, right? People who pay, pay attention. What it comes down to is asking for one additional thing when you're setting up the time to move forward. So the easy thing, the easy conversation to have that most people do, because uh, we'll get into why they don't, but the easy thing that people do is they say, all right, cool. We'll set up the, the thing. I'll send you the contract. Take a look at that when you get a chance. We'll see you on Tuesday. The only thing we need to add to that is all right, so here's how it works. Uh, we're going to pick a time and send you the contract and we just got to take care of payment. Does that sound good? Boom, easy, that's it. If they agree to that, then you do the two things you're going to do anyways, and then you ask for some form of payment. And you have you know ways to do that. You know, I'd, I'd probably recommend getting some sort of a credit card processor that's probably most accessible to people. I don't know who cares on their checkbooks these days. But now that you're able to tap into getting their cognitive distance to work in your direction because they paid you for a service and now they're looking for reasons that they made a good decision. Let's get into reasons that people don't do this. So there are a few legitimate reasons why you would not want to collect payment at the time of closing a consultation. And those all deal with things that would end up getting you disbarred or mishandling funds or that kind of stuff. Again, this is not a jurisprudence podcast, so be sure to check in with your local bar. But I can tell you for a fact, there are attorneys in all 50 states that are collecting payment in one form or another when they're finishing a consultation and there are ways to do this, but you have to look into them, right? So that's the only legitimate reasons. Like I, I wouldn't recommend closing uh, consultations if it is going to put your bar license in jeopardy, but provided that you're looking for the answers, which they are, are out there. So provided that you're within the realms of ethical conduct within the bar and provided you're aware that there are answers that exist if you want to find them then the only reasons that are left are probably illegitimate, right? I want to kind of go back to something in the same way that, you know, we have a situation where people are going to be rationalizing things, much like your prospect is going to be rationalized why they don't want to do something that they already told you that they're interested in that has a benefit for them. You, dear listener, are on some level, again, every single person does this. This does not mean you're a weak person or a bad person, but this is just accepting the you know, fallibility of the human psychology. People are really good at finding reasons to not do things that they didn't want to do in the first place, right? And this is one of the things, if you guys listen to our podcast with David Nagel, it is particularly challenging with attorneys because you guys are all extremely rational, logical people. You're trained in exercising your rationality and logicality in the, the purpose of law school and argued cases and all that kind of stuff. So uh, you're at more of a risk of fooling yourself than people who are a little bit less rational, so to speak, right? But again, the bar thing is a really big legitimate reason. But outside of that, people say, oh, yeah, well, hey, look, I'm not worried. Well, what if they say this? What if they say that? What if they leave their credit card at home? What if um, they flip out? What if they leave me a bad Google review? I will tell you the amount of people who lose deals because of objections that they couldn't handle after asking for the money versus people that lose deals because they didn't ask for the money and the person goes, I'm not even going to say it's like 80 versus 20. It's, it's 99 to 1. The biggest barrier to not getting cash is not asking. And again, a cash credit, you, you get what I mean, right? And that's a huge barrier that leads into no-show rates and, and follow-ups falling through and just a lot of heartbreak that I really hate to see. So the big thing, and this is why this is scary, is that you have to realize that if you have reasons, really explore whether those are legit 
or whether it's their total bogus. And if they're bogus or it's something that you think is legitimate and you really want to look into it, uh, and a lot of the times these are convenient shortcuts that our brains play on us, right? Um, just to be completely real. And when it comes down to it, I want you to ask yourself in the moment where you have somebody who said that they were going to be a positive moving forward kind of person and they no show, I want you to connect in that moment to the fact that you probably could have gotten that person if you asked for the money and the helplessness that you feel in a situation because it is so hard to follow up with people who you've already shown a price to and have agreed to. And now, you know, in addition to the fact that they're not moving forward, there's probably guilt that's stopping them from picking up the phone. Uh, when you're in that challenging moment, I want to, I want you to ask yourself, is it more challenging to try to come up with a clever way to ask somebody who no showed on me, disrespecting my time, and I might have followed up with five times already? Is it harder to figure out that or is it harder to just buckle up and say, all right, cool, what's next? Uh, you guys prefer cash or check? I think the second one is much easier. And I would encourage anyone who doesn't do this in their consultations to start doing it. It's like one of those things that once you do it the first time, the ghosts of all the things that your brain is telling you're going to happen just instantly turn into ash. And you're going to be able to get way more out of the consultations that you're having with people, especially the ones that are coming from scalable marketing channels, outside referrals. And that is what I want for everyone who's listening to this podcast. So Go ahead, try that out. I'd love to hear if you guys have any feedback from that on this, uh, you know, contact us on the show, if that makes sense. You know, if you just uh, check the show notes for a way to contact us and I'd be happy to answer your questions. Um, for everybody else, I will see you next Tuesday at 8 a.m. Eastern on the Law Firm Growth Podcast. Thank you for listening to the Law Firm Growth Podcast. For show notes, free resources and more, head on over to casefuel.com slash podcast. Looking forward to catching up on the next episode.